building. Hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus, with a hand clap. We bless you with a shout. We bless you in the dance. Somebody just give him praise here tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. How many feels victory in the house of God here this evening? Praise God. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him, God bless you. So good to see you in the house of the Lord. And you may be seated. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I want to say uh, it is so good to see Brother Jordan back in the house of the Lord with us. We love you. Amen. And uh, also, I wanted to, you know, I don't, I don't always do this. Sometimes I forget. We just kind of get in, get in our zone, especially when I get to preach or teach. I just go right into it. Um, but I, I want to say um, publicly, uh, Brother Diaz, you know, you're, you're a great announcement man. And let me tell you, there's times where they throw all sorts of stuff at him at a last minute. I think we ought to give him a hand. It is not as easy as it looks. And he's always keeping it vibrant and keeping it real. Um, now, how many would like to have an 1130 service on Sunday? I just want to show a hands. May, okay, I need more hands than that. But maybe, maybe soon we'll get to that. I'd love to do that. I got two hands right there. Amen. But it's at 1.30 p.m. for the current moment. But... I think there might be coming a day where we're heading that direction, and uh, so, but, but maybe in faith. He was speaking in faith. I don't know, but, Amen. I wanted to say, great job. You know, there's just, you just, it's, it's just when you get up here, you know, there's just times where you make it look easy, but it's there's so many things going on and so many things to focus on, and then people keep throwing notes in front of you, and so I want to say, great job, and uh, thank you for doing it, Amen. And you're saving me from having to do it, so thank you. Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of Genesis, chapter 21. Book of Genesis, chapter 21. And verse number 8. And then we're going to be going to Galatians, chapter 4. Just kind of going to do a little recap. And we're going to spend our time mostly within those texts, but we're going to also go to, Ro to Romans chapter 7 and 8 at the, uh, at the finalizing, and that's where we're going to spend the majority of our time here tonight. But I want to read, just as a recap of this, because we don't want to forget that this is where we're at in our Bible study, is in Genesis chapter 21, and everything we're talking about is referring back to this. So verse number 8. Of chapter 21, God has given the promised son, and that Bible says, And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. God gave a promise, and that promise matured, and as that promise matured, verse number 9, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abram, mocking Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight. Notice he was not grieved that Hagar was being kicked out. He didn't have a problem with that. He was having a problem with his son. He didn't want to lose what came as a result 
of Hagar. Verse number 12, And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman, and all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. I want you to notice that it is both Sarah and God that are telling Abraham what he is to do with Ishmael and with Hagar. He is being told what to do. Amen. But later we are going to find when God calls him to sacrifice Isaac, God is not telling him to sacrifice Isaac. God is asking him. And therein lies a big difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, God is telling man by the law what they must do, what they have to do. But in the New Testament, it is an opportunity for us to worship. God is asking of us things in worship. The book of Galatians chapter 4, just for further context on what we are delving into here today. Galatians chapter 4, and I would encourage you to just read the book of Galatians. It's a great book. It's not very long, but there's a lot of good things you can pull out of this. And uh, I love how Paul so eloquently, you know, we read the New Testament, and, and it's good. We love it, but we forget that the first century church did not have a New Testament. And so they had to go back to what we're talking about, Genesis chapter 21. And that is how they did their Bible study. So we're just trying to be a first century church here today. And we're taking all of the Old Testament and we're also combining with the great revelation Paul gave us in his letters to the church at Galatia. And we are combining that together to understand the scriptures. Genesis, Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 22. Bible says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman, was born after the flesh. Everybody say the flesh. But he of the free woman was born, was by the promise, which things are an allegory. For these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth or creates bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. And this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. And answereth to Jerusalem, which is now, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is a typology of the New Testament church, is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. He is using these two typologies. We're talking about several things in these passages. Number one, we are talking about Sarah, and we are talking about Hagar. One is a free individual, and the other one is a bondservant. Then we are going to talk about the two sons, one is born of the bondwoman. It is pr a, pr a production or what comes from the bondwoman, and that is Ishmael, and then one that comes from the free woman, and that, of course, is the promised son of Isaac. But then there's a third thing that we have to talk about, and it, it is what connects all of this together. It is Abraham. And in Galatians, it is Paul is telling us that we are all the children of Abraham by faith. And thereby, all of the promises that were made to Abraham are available to us. But that also means that there are things that Abraham had to contend with that we have to contend with as well. And those things are Hagar and Ishmael. But we also have the benefit of dealing with Isaac and with Sarah. 
And so verse 28, skipping down, getting a little more understanding of this. Amen. He says in verse 28, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise, being children of Abraham. But as he then that was born after the flesh, everybody say flesh, persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Everybody say spirit. Even so it is now. It never changed. We are still battling the flesh. The flesh is still persecuting the spirit. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? What is the answer for this? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Cast out the bondwoman and what the bondwoman has produced in your life. You've got to get rid of both. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now, when you read this, it can be, uh, as with much of the Bible, without study, it can be quite confusing. But these are an allegory. He is taking this Old Testament story, and he's telling us that this is connecting to two things. Number one, law and grace. The Old Testament and the New Testament. And then, when he talks about the sons, he is talking about the flesh and the spirit. And to, bear, to, to just kind of sum up what we talked about a little bit last week, the law and grace, they might seem similar in some areas because grace does not get rid of the law. That is, that is a misunderstanding. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill it. And Jesus is not, is not eradicating the law. He is the fulfillment of the law. The Bible says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so we are actually under a, a, a greater covenant. It is not a lesser covenant. In fact, it is a greater covenant. But if we were to understand the difference between, and you can go back last week, and we talked a lot about the differences, but really when you look at it, it's what is coming first, what is most important. The law says, if you do this, we'll let you live. It starts off with you have a death sentence hanging over your life unless you have certain behaviors that align with the law. And then you get to live. Whereas grace says you get to live and now you can do this. There's a big difference between the two. One is bondage. It is slavery. It is saying you, you owe a great debt. You are on your way to hell. You are lost and that is what the Old Testament is teaching. And if you don't do something about it, you will stay lost. Amen. That is, in fact, the Old Testament's message. But the New Testament's message is this. Jesus said, I came to give life and life more abundantly. That where you were lost, now you can be saved. That where you were blind, now you can see. And Jesus does for us what the law could never do for us. He redeems us from the curse of sin and of death. And where we were determined to die, where we were destined to die, Jesus shows up and says, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you my spirit. And now that you have given, been given my spirit, now that you have been given life, I am giving you life not so you can go back to your old ways, not so you can go back into bondage and back into slavery. No, I've come to give you life so that you can live. I've come to give you life so you can be saved. I've come to give you life so you can produce good things. Is anybody thankful for grace here today?
Praise God. You know, but really, uh, and, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to start turning over to the book of Romans chapter 7. We are still contending with law and grace. There are people in church that they, it doesn't matter what the sign says over the building, they are still contending with this. Romans chapter 7 will be in verse number 5. Amen for the sound man back there. But we are still contending with this. How are we living life? Are we living with a death sentence over our life that if I don't do something, I'm going to be lost? If you are still trying to escape hell, I want to tell you, you are living by the law. Jesus came to save us from that. If you, if you, if you go to bed every night saying, oh, I'm so scared of being lost, I want to tell you, you need to come out of that today. If you, and, and I'm not saying that there aren't people that need to repent and get things right and get Jesus to cover them. But if you are constantly, everything you're doing is, if, if, if I don't do this, I'm going to be lost. Or if I go and do this, I'm going to be lost. You are living under a lesser covenant. Whereas if you can get under the grace of God here today, you will be living for so much more. And when you live for so much more, there are things that appealed to you in the past that will not appeal to you today. Amen. Romans chapter 7 and verse 5, the Bible says this, and you can read again, Romans, this is his discourse on the law. It's beautiful, just masterful how Paul does it, and uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to teach it quite the way he wrote it, but hopefully I'll give some understanding here today. Paul wrote, for when we were in the flesh, that's what we're talking about here tonight, the flesh and the spirit, amen, the motions of sin, that is what it is to be in the flesh. You are going through the motions of sin. In other words, it's something inside you, and Paul will talk about that here in a minute, that your flesh is in control, and it is going by the motions of sin, which were by the law. The law, it was a, it was a schoolmaster. It taught us what sin was. All it was able to do was to shine a little light and tell you what the problem was. But it could not fix the problem. All it could do was tell you that you were a sinner. But it could not deliver you from sin. All it could do is tell you that you were lost. But it would not be able to redeem you from your lost place. And so all it did was tell you you're in sin. And so Paul is saying that while we're in the flesh, we're by the law. And all we're doing is we're breaking law after law after law because we are sinners. He said, it did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. The law told us we were sinners. And all that did for us is it just let us know the path we were on was leading us to death. Verse number 6, but now we are delivered from the law at that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What is Paul talking about? He is telling us there's two things here. Number one, it's going all the way back to Galatians. There is Mount Sinai. That's the law. That is the letter of the law. But he talks about another thing, the spirit of the law. Number one, the letter of the law, and I'm going somewhere with this here tonight. The letter of the law refers to the literal interpretation and the strict adherence to the written laws or regulations. It's about following the rules exactly as they are written without considering the broader intent or purpose behind them. This is what the Jews are still doing today. They are, they are to the best of their ability trying to obey the letter of the law. You see the Pharisees in the New Testament 
They are doing their best to fulfill the letter of the law. This is what a lot of religious people are doing today. They are doing their best to follow every letter of this book, and they are trying to follow the letter. Here's the problem. You can have the letter of the law, but never have the heart of the law, and you will have missed it. You will have Hagar, and you have Ishmael, and it will be by your own human effort and by the flesh, and it will not lead you out of sin. It will not lead you out of death. It will not lead you out of unrighteousness. All it will do is make you a little cleaner of a sinner. Hallelujah. And I'm going to talk about this here today. But the spirit of the law refers to the underlying principles and values that inspired the creation of the law. It is more flexible and compassionate. It is an approach that seeks to fulfill the higher moral or ethical purposes of the law. Amen. In a religious or an ethical context, it is the tension between the two concepts. If we were to talk about some examples here today, uh, the Sabbath observance. The letter of the law strictly prohibited the work on the Sabbath. But when Jesus showed up and the disciples were walking through the cornfield on the day of the Sabbath, they started taking corn down and eating it. And the religious that were following the letter, they came by and they said, we got to get rid of these guys. But Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man. The greater moral ethical reason is God was giving you and I a time of rest and a time of worship, a time to spend with the Lord. And and they had taken the letter, and Paul would later write, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And Jesus says that the Sabbath was made for man. It was to serve man, and man was not to serve the Sabbath. And the Old Testament and the Old Covenant will have you serving the letter instead of letting the letter serve you. And I don't mean that in a humanistic standpoint. Every word in this book is to serve a greater purpose in your life. Everything that is taught, everything that is preached, everything that is uh, presented across the pulpit or from the Word of God is to serve a greater purpose in your life. Uh, Well, you know, I don't understand that. Okay, let me break it down for you. There are things that the Bible prohibits And you might say, why does it matter? Well, from your vantage point, it might not matter. But when you realize uh, that there are other implications and other consequences that would come in life, uh, for example, uh, why do we worship? What purpose does it serve? Well, to the outlook and to the person on the outside, they'd see us jumping around and shouting and say, that is meaningless and that is pointless. But when you realize that there is a part inside of us that is seeking to worship something and we have just determined in our heart and in our mind what we will serve and what we will worship, I'm not going to the Super Bowl to shout. I'm going to go to church and shout about the one that created all things. I'm not going to give my worship to something else. I'm actually going to give it to the Lord. So there are things like justice and mercy. Those are, those are in, important for us to understand. We need to be a just people. Absolutely. We are people of the letter. We must be just. We must follow in accordance with the word. But we must also have mercy. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In other words, if you will give it to other people, you will also receive it. And so we've got to be willing in, in all of our obedience and following the letter of the law that we are not picking up stones to kill people. Because that's what the law said. The law said they messed up, get rid of them. 
But when Jesus looked at that woman, he said, he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He wasn't giving her a license to sin. He was giving another chance to do better. He was giving her another chance to do right. <laughs> Amen. Were they wrong in saying it's just she deserves death? Absolutely. But Jesus brought it forth, and he brought forth the greater principle. We all deserve death. Who here is without sin? And every one of them from the oldest to youngest said, we're out of here. We all deserve death. But the ultimate difference between this, this letter versus spirit is these two concepts that we find in Galatians. The two sons that are produced as a result of, Ish, uh, of, of Sarah and of Hagar. The question is this. Are you a slave or are you a son? Because the son understands based on who his father is. They're not, the son is not afraid of being kicked out of the house and kicked out of the family and ceasing to be because he made one mistake. The servant is afraid that if he displeases his master, that there might be punishment. If he displeases his master, that he might be fired. That if he displeases his master, that his place in the kingdom will cease to exist. But when you understand, I am not of Ishmael, and I am not of the law, but I am a child of promise. I am a child of Abraham by faith, that through the blood of Jesus, I am a son. You are a son, or you are a daughter. I want to tell you, there is nothing you can do that will make the Father love you less, and there's nothing you can do to make the Father love you more, and there's nothing you could do or not do that will replace you in the family. There's nothing you could do or not do that'll kick you out of the bloodline. I think you ought to give God praise for that. Thank you, Jesus. But this is where we are in a battle because just like Abraham, there's two sons. There is the flesh. Everybody say flesh. And there's the spirit. And he said, even as it was for Abraham, even as it was then, it is for us now. The flesh always persecutes the spirit. I want to tell you, you don't have to look far to find your enemy. I want to tell you, the devil is, in fact, your enemy. He is not a lover of your soul. But there are a lot of people that want to say, the devil made me do it. The devil's the problem. I want to tell you, sometimes the devil's the problem, and I don't, want to, I don't want to say he's not a problem. He's a problem. But Jesus conquered him 2,000 years ago. He took the keys of death and of hell and of the grave. The Bible says he led captivity captive. He bound in chains. I want to tell you, every demonic force has got to bow at the name of Jesus. In fact, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. I want to tell you, just believing on his name, you got the power to cast out devils. Amen. Whether you believe that or not, it's in the Bible. you got to believe on his name. And you have the ability and the power to cast out devils. You have the power of God inside you to take authority over the devil. So I want to tell you, we, 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 it's, it's hard for us to serve God without a big, bad devil. Because we got to have somebody to blame. Hallelujah. we got to have somebody to say, well, things are going wrong. It's got to be the devil. Now, I'm not saying it's not at some point, so please understand me. But really, if we wanted to find out where the true adversary is, we just got to look in the mirror. I want to tell you, the devil's not my problem. I'm my problem. In fact, I'll take it further. You're not my problem. I'm not your problem. 
Hallelujah. The kids aren't the problem. The spouse isn't the problem. The person that cut you off in traffic is not the problem. Amen. It's when you look up in that rear view mirror and you see that person staring back at you. That's the problem. Amen. The flesh is what's persecuting the spirit. And, well, I want to be this for God. I want to be this in life. And, and I just can't seem to get it. The devil's resisting me. And although the devil might be resisting you, I want to tell you who's the number one culprit that's resisting you. Amen. Everybody say, it's me. It's me. I'm the problem. And when we push the responsibility off onto some devil we can't see, we can start pushing off the responsibility to change things that we can see. It's easy to say it's the devil's fault and then just go about our day and say, well, I'm being spiritual. I'm going to do a spiritual warfare. When the truth is, if we were to look in the mirror, we would recognize that the battle is still Ishmael and Isaac. It is still the flesh that is persecuting the things that God wants to make me in the spirit. Amen. How do you know if you are operating in the flesh? Well, let's look at this for a moment. Roman, uh, Romans chapter 7 and, uh, and verse number 14. Now, there's a lot you could read. You can go look into this later and, and, uh, and look through this. And, and the wording Paul uses, it seems when you first read a little confusing, and I'm going to do my best to explain it to you, but he's doing it intentionally. I mean, it's very poetic the way he writes this. So just, just read this with me uh, in, in your Bible. He said, for we, for we know that the law is spiritual. The law in its intention was to reveal to me sin. That's a spiritual thing. The law is not bad. But the law could not save me, and the law could not do this for me. That is Hagar. But what did Hagar produce? She produced an Ishmael. She produced flesh. Amen. He said, the law is spiritual, but here's the problem. I am carnal. Man, the Apostle Paul, the guy that wrote a third of the New Testament, has no problem saying he's carnal. Amen. But we want to walk around like we've been on cloud nine all year. And I'm not carnal. I'm spiritual. No, brother, you're carnal. And I'm carnal. Pastor, you can't be carnal. You're the pastor. No, I'm carnal because I'm human. Amen. But let's read. Let's continue. He said, I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. What's he saying? The things that my flesh is doing, my spirit is saying no. There's a persecution from the flesh to the spirit. For what I would do, what my spirit wants to do, I do not. Because my flesh is persecuting and resisting me. But that what I hate, what part of me hates that? My spirit. The promise, the Isaac, the part of me that's that the redeemed soul is saying, I, I, I hate that, but yet I find myself doing it. Anybody ever, you can, you can res resonate with this here today. For if then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it's good. I don't want to do it. I'm trying not to do it. And the law is telling me I can't do it and I shouldn't do it. But here I am. I'm doing it. The law is still good, but I'm still carnal. Verse 17, he reveals to us that there is a persecution of the flesh against the spirit. Verse 17, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. He's talking about the carnal, fleshly nature of man. Verse 18, for I know that in me, he qualifies that. When you say there's nothing good in me, I rebuke that. There are good things in you. There are great things in you. God did not, God did not make you uh, pointless. God made you with purpose. But he qualifies it. He says that I know that in my 
flesh there dwelleth no good thing. I want to tell you that in your flesh it is nothing but persecuting. I heard something so good the other day. You want to know why your flesh fights you so bad? You want to know why the flesh wants addictions? You want to know why the flesh wants to get on the internet pornography late at night? You want to know why the flesh wants to binge eat and binge watch? And you want to know why the flesh always wants to jump into new relationships and smoke this and smoke that and drink this and do that? You want to know why the flesh fights so hard to do the things you know are not right and to do the things the law tells you are not right and the things the Spirit is trying to lead you away from? Amen. Because the flesh knows it's not going with you. Your flesh is going to fight you because it's not going with you. It only has today to enjoy today. Eat and drink for tomorrow we die. It knows I can only take now and all I've got. This is why our world lives by you only live once. They live by that because they're in the flesh and they really do only live once. And after that, the judgment. But I want to tell you, when you are born again of water and spirit, you don't have to live that law-based life. You can live a free life. You can live a clean life. You can live a holy life. Because I'm not just living for this life. I'm not just living for today. I'm living for a day that's coming. I'm living for a glorious day when he's going to take his church away. I think we ought to give God some praise here today. Now notice what he says. He says, in my flesh there dwells no good thing. Why? My flesh doesn't care. Your flesh isn't trying. Let me just say this. Your flesh doesn't want you to fast. I've never had, I've never one time had my flesh say, you need to stop eating for a little while. And I feel, I feel like, man, I overate. My flesh is like, you got room for dessert. <laughs> I know I'm not the only one. Praise God. There, I think dessert always ought to be on the menu. Praise God. But there is something about my flesh. My flesh has never said, you need to pray. If your flesh has, man, you got divine flesh, brother. Because I've never once had, had my flesh say, you know what, you need to, you need to, you need to forgive that person. You, need to, you, need to, you just need to let it go. No, my flesh has had me late at night think about what I should have said and how I could have won that argument a little better. Hallelujah. But, but when we realize that in my flesh there's no good thing because my flesh doesn't care if I'm saved or not. Because my flesh, the Bible says, we will be changed. Amen. That this corruptible shall take on incorruption. This corruptible body, the Bible says, from dust you were created and from to dust you will return. I want to tell you, we're all going to eventually reach the place of decay in our physical bodies, and this flesh ain't going with us. It's living for today. But there is a part of me that Paul's talking about. There is a warring of the flesh and the spirit. The spirit is saying, I, I, I can't just live for today because if I live for today, I'll die in eternity. I've got to live for something beyond today. I've got to live for an eternity that's coming. This is why you've got to you got to fast. It's not because I, I'm trying to be a better uh, better Christian so I can get a gold star. No, because I'm trying to tell my flesh who's in charge. I'm trying to let my flesh know you're not going to persecute me and get away with it. Because I, in my attempt, am trying to cast out the bondwoman and her son. And that's what we're doing in the spirit. Amen. Verse 18 continuing. He said the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. He said, I want to do good. In fact, I want to just tell everybody that has been blaming the devil, I just don't have any power. That is not true. That is not true. In fact, 
the first gift God ever gave man and the reason you and I were created, he gave us a will, which means he gave you and I a choice. Amen. Which means no matter what is afflicting you, you still have a choice. God in his in his his power will not he will influence your choice, but God will not make a choice for you. This is why after dying on a cross, being buried and raising again on the third day, he he could very easily force you to be saved. But he knows there's some people that will not make that choice. And even though he already paid the price, there are people that will not accept the sacrifice and they will be lost by their own choice. And God, even in that, will not take away their choice. God will not take away your choice. And furthermore, in Mark chapter 5, there was a man possessed with thousands of devils. And the devil could not get this man to kill himself because the man didn't want to. And the Bible says when he saw Jesus, he ran several miles down the hill, fell down at his knees, and began to worship Jesus. Which tells me, even while possessed, the devil could not take away the man's choice. Paul is saying, I've got the will to do good. But the real challenge is not the will. The real challenge is I don't know how. And the real story is some people, I want to tell you, well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the ability to get free. That's not true. God will not take your choice, and your choice is more powerful than the devil. If you don't want, and, and, and let me just say this, anybody that's possessed of a devil, you want to know how they get delivered when they say, I want to be free. That's it. It's as simple as that because the name of Jesus casts out devils. But when somebody does not make the decision and doesn't make the choice, I want to tell you, they're going to stay in bondage. But the moment they make a decision, I don't want this anymore. I want Jesus in my life. I want to tell you, those devils have got to run. I feel the Holy Ghost. The will is present, but how to perform that which is good, I don't know. And this is a great point by Paul. Paul, who's very educated, very knowledgeable, more knowledgeable about the Bible probably than anybody that's alive today. And Paul is saying, I'm not, I'm not able to find out, but this is why we pray. We pray because I want to know, God, how do I get out of this? This is why I fast. Not so, it's not a hunger strike to tell God what to do. Fasting is me pushing my flesh down to where I can finally hear the right voice in my life. Because there's a lot of voices in this world. And I've got to turn the volume up on God and turn the volume down on my flesh. And turn the volume down on all these other things. Amen. He said, I, 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 I've got the will. The will's present. It never left me. Verse 19, he said, for the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil that I would not do, that's what I end up doing. It's a battle, it's a fight, but Paul does not give up. He said, now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Anybody ever felt that? That is what the law is saying, that you can try and you can strive by your own human effort. You can try to create Ishmael to be a better person, to create a promised son, but it will not work by your own human effort. It will not work. However, he said this, verse 22, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. I see then another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity into the law of sin, which is in my members. He's saying, I'm fighting. There's something in me that's fighting. Amen. My spirit is fighting, but my flesh is rising up, and it is fighting against me. And he says, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He gets all the way done with his discourse in chapter 7, and he says, I, I, I see the flesh is persecuting my spirit. I see the 
flesh is winning in this battle. And I have tried by my own human ingenuity, by my own human effort to get free, and it has not worked. I've got the will to do it, but I don't know how to do it. And he says, I tried and I strived and I fought and I worked and I did everything that I could. Paul, he was circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was, according to the law, the Bible says, blameless. He did everything that he could, and yet Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. He recognized that even in my best effort, it's Ishmael, and I can't do it. He said, who will deliver me? In verse 25, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He's saying that when I recognize I can't do it, I want to tell you there's something better that, that, that will help me, and it's Jesus Christ. Uh, amen. I want to tell you that that's the biggest difference. The law says you need to do it. The law says by the sweat of your brow. The law says you need to accomplish it. The law says you need to figure it out. But the Spirit says, uh, amen, it's not by might nor by your power, but it's going to be by the Spirit of God. This is why every individual must be born again of water and of spirit because you cannot you cannot fulfill the law of God in the flesh you cannot you cannot achieve all that God has for you in the flesh you've got to be filled with the spirit let's lift our hands and let's magnify the Lord let's praise him hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Jesus amen so how do you know if you're operating in the flesh I got a few for you. I got more than we got time. But let me just tell you how you know. First off, uh, it's, 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 it's in direct. Your flesh is always going to be in direct opposition to the will of God. Your flesh is going to always be in direct opposition to the word of God. Your flesh does not want to be preached to. Your flesh does not want uh, things that are spiritual. Your flesh actually wants to be left alone. Just leave me alone and let me die. That's what your flesh wants. But when we look at it, when you are in the flesh, your flesh will go for compliance. But your spirit will look for conversion. I want to tell you, how do you know if you're becoming somebody that's living in Ishmael religion? It is when you seek for compliance and only compliance and not for conversion. Hallelujah. Conversion is an act of God. It is something that we have given ourselves to the Spirit of God, to the place where God takes what we are and He makes us what we are not. Hallelujah. We are not just looking for compliance. We are looking to be converted. It is the difference between conforming and transforming. Amen. This, this, this flesh is just looking for behavior modification. It's just looking for a self-help book. It's just working to fit in. But when you are operating in the spirit, you are allowing yourself to be changed. It is no longer just being a, a little bit cleaner and a little bit better. But it is saying, God, transform me from water into wine, from darkness into light. When you are in the flesh, you want to be ruled, dominated. Just tell me what to do. I want to tell you, there's people that are sitting here tonight Pastor, just tell me what to do so I don't have to think about it. You are in the flesh. But when you are in the spirit, you're saying, I want to be led. I want to be led. I don't want to be, I don't just want to be told what to do. That's what the Old Testament was all about. Just, just tell me what to do. And every time they came up with something new, it started with 10 commandments, but they came up with a new thing. And they said, now Moses, what do we do about this? 
tell us. And he came up with a new law. Okay, now here's what we're going to do about this. By the time it was all said and done, the Pharisees had laws about how to wash your hands, which I think is probably a good thing. Praise God. I think we maybe need to come back to that. I don't know. But, but they got laws about minute things, but they were, they were missing. They, were, they got the letter, but they were missing the heartbeat of the law. And so there are people that are seeking conforming and not transforming. Amen. They are looking to be ruled over. This is where they said, give us a king. But the Bible says they were called to be kings and priests. They said, no, 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 no. We don't want that kind of responsibility. And people that are in the flesh are saying, no, no, no. Don't give me any responsibility. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me where I need to go. Tell me how I need to live. And I want to tell you that, that, that the word will have answers for what we need to do. But it doesn't just go by letter. It goes by spirit. And that spirit, being spirit-led, is knowing what the letter says. But now knowing how to navigate what the letter says in the day-to-day -day life. It, it isn't every five seconds, uh, uh, Pastor, I Encountered a new thing. What what do I do about it? I'll tell you what it is. Uh, if you've got to walk with God and you're in the Word of the Lord, uh, I want to tell you as you walk in the Spirit, the Lord uh, will direct you. No, don't go that direction. Uh, discernment will come to you, and you you all of a sudden instead of needing a king to rule over you, uh, you will be operating as a king uh, and as a priest before the Lord. Uh, you will know the will of the Lord, uh, and you will know how to operate it here on earth. I want to tell you if you know you're in the flesh. Do I have to? If you are saying, well, do I have to? You're operating in the flesh. It is the one that says, well, I, I guess I have to, versus the spirit, which is I get to. I want to tell you, if you live for I have to, uh, you're, 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 let me just say this. If your whole marriage is I have to, I have to be the husband of one wife, brother, you are missing it. <laughs> you are missing it. It said, I get to be, praise God. I get to be married to that beautiful lady on that second row. Praise God. If you live for God, like, oh, I have to go to church. I have to lift my hands. I have to worship. I want to tell you, you got Ishmael in your house, and you don't even know it. You got Ishmael, and you got, you got Hagar still living there. You need to kick him out. Amen. And, and well, I, the, the, when the Lord's telling me I have to do this, and I have to do that. No, no, no. That's not how God is operating under grace. Uh, God is calling you to a higher level. And I want to tell you, amen, it is a get-to. It is an opportunity. I want to tell you, I, there was no, there's no writing in this book that says I deserve to be here today. But thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Uh, I'm preaching to you today as a dying man to die. Dying men, and it's by the grace of God. And such were some of you, but we are washed, we are cleansed, we are justified. He didn't have to save me, but he did. And I don't have to be here, I get to be here. I don't have to lift my hands, I get to lift my hands. It's not in the flesh, it's by the Spirit. You know you're in the flesh when you start living for God, like, do I have to? Do I have to go to church? Brother, you don't have to do nothing. I have tried to pastor for the last five years. You don't want to show up to church? I'm not fighting you on it. And some people took advantage of that. The pastor better text me and check on me, make sure I'm going to be there. Now, if you're hurting sick, let me know. I'll pray for you. But I'm not going to chase you down because that's what the letter does. The letter chases you down to beat you into compliance. But I want to tell you, sons don't need to be beaten into compliance. Sons are sons, and they know, amen, I want to please my father. I want to be in my father's will. It's not. 
It's not I have to, I have to, I have to. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to please my father. I'm just trying to be in, in relationship with my father. And if God asks me something, he's not asking me because he's trying to kill me. He's asking me because he loves me, because he's my father. And I'm doing the right things for the right reasons. You know you're in the flesh when you look to do the bare minimums. Because that's what you do when you're in the letter. You find all of the loopholes. That's what the Pharisees did. They were like, okay, let's go to the let's go to the spice cabinet. We'll tithe on mint and cumin, but let's pick up rocks to stone everybody we find that slipped up on one thing. He said, you forsook the weightier matters of the law. He said, go ahead, tithe on your mint and cumin. Go to your spice cabinet, tithe on that. That's fine. He said, but make sure you got mercy and justice as well. Amen. There are people that if they're in the flesh, they're looking for the bare minimums. And there are people that are walking in the spirit. They're looking to go all in. Amen. You know what it looks like to be in the bare minimums in life? Is this a divorce issue? Take out the, can you please take out the trash? Well, is it, are you going to divorce me if I don't? Right? That sounds absurd. We'd never ask that. Why? Because it's that absurd. Instead, the question we should be asking is, is me not taking out the trash maximizing the relationship? And I preach so, so basic on Sunday about simple little things. I hope that you understand I'm using those simple little things to, to show a bigger thing. But you know what that looks like when you talk about bare minimums being carnal in the church and in the kingdom of God? What's the least I can do and still be saved? Well, God, is this a heaven or hell issue? Is this a divorce issue? You go, well, if I don't pray, are you going to divorce me? Are you going to let me die and go to hell? You know, God, if I don't go to church for the next six months, are you going to send me to a fiery lake? I, I just want to know, God, where's the line so I can get as close to the line and not be lost? You know, there are entire people that are in the flesh that are living in compliance only and not fully converted. But I want to tell you, it is the call of God for everybody to get out of the flesh and get in the spirit and say, God, I don't just want to be compliant to a list of rules. I want to be converted. Conversion is better than compliance because when you're converted, amen, you don't need to be told what to do. You all, I'm so converted, you don't need to tell me to show up to church. I'm going to be at church. You don't need to tell me to worship. I'm going to worship if I like the song, if I don't like the song. Why? Because I'm converted. He told Peter, not when you're compliant. He said, Peter, when you are converted, you will strengthen your brethren. I want to tell you, you get up and preach Pentecost, not when you're compliant. You get up and preach Pentecost when you're converted. You... Not when you've been a little bit better, but when you've been converted from Simon to Peter. When you go from, from I'm just doing through the motions and just doing what I have to, to all of a sudden I'm ready, God, to do whatever it takes. I don't want to just live based on the bare minimums, but I want to go all in. Instead of saying, God, is this, uh, what's the least I can do so I can still be saved? We should actually ask the question, how close can I get to heaven and still stay here on earth? Amen. Enoch walked with God and God took him away. I wonder, I wonder what would happen to this generation if in the in the in, in Apostolic Revival Center it wasn't it wasn't about, well, what all right, just list out how many times I'm gonna be here a week and list out and I don't think there's anybody here like that, but just list out what exactly I gotta do so that I could just skate my way into heaven. I wonder what would happen. I'll tell you what would happen. We would shake our region, amen. If everybody started saying, God, how close can I get to the throne? God, how close can I get to your spirit? I don't want to just look for the bare minimums, but God, if this is is, this is not a heaven or hell issue. This is a closeness issue. This is a proximity issue. And God, I want to get as close as I can. This is tablets of stone versus tablets written on your heart. Amen. 
You can have the book on your nightstand, but it does you no good on your nightstand. It only does you good when it gets in your heart. You can try by your flesh and your human effort to fill, fulfill the letter of the law and uh, to just try to do the bare minimums or whatever it takes to try to skate into heaven. Hey, man, I want to tell you, that's a miserable way to live for God. That's a miserable way to live for God. Hey, man, don't get married looking, for a re- looking just to not get divorced. Hey, man, you know, let me put it this way. Play to win. Play to win. Don't just play not to lose. Amen. That's how our world is. That's why they got prenups. They're just playing not to lose. Amen. I don't want to lose too much when this does fizzle out. I want to tell you, when you come into the kingdom, don't come into the kingdom with the mindset of, well, when I get out of this, when I fall, when I, no, come into this and say, God, here's my all in all. Here's my heart. Here's my mind. Uh, because, God, I, I want to serve you with my whole heart. I want to serve you, serve you with my whole mind. Uh, I want to tell you, if you get the spirit, amen, uh, you'll also fulfill the letter. When you get the spirit, uh, you'll know why God said it. If you get the spirit, amen, I want to tell you, you're going to want to fulfill the will of God in your life. Hallelujah. Would you stand and lift up your hands all across this building? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I praise you today. Amen. Isaac is being persecuted by Ishmael. Your flesh is trying to hinder your walk with God. It is trying to beat you down, amen, and get you to start being more carnal and being less spiritual, amen. But I want to tell you, today's a day to say you got to get out. I don't want the influence of Ishmael anymore. I don't want the influence of the flesh anymore. I don't want the flesh to dictate what I am and what I can and can't do for God. I don't want the flesh, amen, to beat me down into submission. And finally, how do you know if you're in the flesh and not in the spirit? Condemnation is reigning in your mind and in your heart and not conviction. Conviction is different than condemnation. Conviction will tell you you've done wrong. Listen, for those that think, well, now we're under grace and God will never tell me anything that I've done wrong. That is not true. The Bible says, he, whom the Lord loves, he chastises, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Every child of God, every so often, just like a natural child, needs a spanking because they're not doing right. God will come by in your life and rebuke you. Right. Amen. God doesn't ignore your wrongs. He will come by and he will rebuke you. In fact, while I'm teaching this tonight, without intending to, some people might feel rebuked. Amen. It is the love of God coming by and saying, if you're one of my kids, I can spank you. If you're one of my kids, I'm going to take care of some things because I don't want any of my kids living this way because it's not good for them. Conviction will say, you messed up. Here's how we're going to fix it. But condemnation says, you are a mess up. And there's nothing you can ever do, so you might as well quit now. The letter kills. You broke the law. You're not perfect. You've fallen, and you failed, so that's it. But Romans 8 and 1, right after he says that Jesus is the answer, he says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Here's the qualifier. Here's the qualifier. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Which means I've got to lay my flesh down on an altar. I've got to lay my flesh before the Lord. Verse number six, verse number five, I'm sorry. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. If you find yourself becoming so focused on this life and everything going on out here in this world, I want to tell you, you're being carnally minded. It's understandable. We're human. But this is what he says in verse number six. For to be carnally minded is death. 
but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is the enemy of God for it is not subject to the law of God neither can be so they that are in the flesh cannot please God but he qualifies the church and he says you are not in the flesh why because you've been filled with the spirit and if that spirit of God dwell in you if any man have not the spirit of Christ he's none of his and if Christ be in you the body is dead because of sin but the spirit is life because of righteousness but if the spirit of him that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Uh, I want to tell you, he said uh, he'll quicken your mortal body as well. Here's the answer to everybody that's been walking in the flesh and feeling condemned. You need to go back and let God's Spirit so fill you that it washes you clean. This is what Jude said, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The answer is not to backslide. The answer is not to walk out on God when you mess up. The answer is not to become a prodigal because after all, I've already messed up. That's what condemnation says. You've already messed up. You're a mess up. You might as well keep going. But when you realize, no, I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. And his spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of me. I don't have to keep living like this. I don't have to deal. I don't have to live in the pig's pen. I don't have to. I, I just need to go back to my father's house. And when you come back to father's house, I want to tell you, God will robe you. God will clothe you. God will change everything about you. When you feel like, man, I've just been getting carnal for a while. The answer is come back to Jesus. When I get carnal, I'll tell you what's happening. I've just gotten too far from Father's house. When I start getting a, a little too a little too temporal-minded, I'm thinking about everything, the bills and the stresses of life, I'll tell you what that means. That means I've gotten a little too far from the Father's house. And the answer is not to keep getting further from the Father. The answer is to come back to the altar, to come back to church, to come back and lift up my hands and say, God, I need you to completely cleanse me. In fact, I want us to do that today. Would you come down to the altar? Right now, we're going to pray. Come on, maybe, maybe Ishmael's in your life, and he's saying, well, you've messed up, and it's too late for you. I want to tell you, kick that out of your life right now. When you come down to the altar, and you begin to pray and ask God to touch you, I want to tell you, God will touch you. It is not over for you. Amen. You, you just got to say, God. Will you touch my mind? Will you touch my heart? Amen. God, will you convert me? I know I messed up, God. And, 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 and then the father, when the prodigal son came home, he didn't tell him, well, you're a mess up. No, he said, I, I am sick of what sin has done to my son. Uh, clothe him. Put the ring of authority on him. Uh, put the shoes on his feet. Uh, I want to tell you there's restoration when you come back to the father's house. There is no condemnation when you come back to the father's house. When you step out of the flesh and say, God, I'm stepping into the Spirit. As they begin to sing, I want you to pray all across this building. Hallelujah, Lord. Wash me. Cleanse me. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray. I want nothing less than holiness. Not my will, but thine be done. Let our hearts Come on, that's it. I'm not going to let condemnation that comes from my flesh persecute my spirit. God, I'm not going to let that happen. Condemnation might say you're a mess up, but conviction says, no, you're not a mess up. You're my son. You're my daughter. 
Amen. The answer is walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Get out of the flesh. Get in the spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, there's another chance. There's another chance. Condemnation says there's no other chances. The flesh says there's no other chances. Hallelujah. But when you get out of the flesh and let God's Spirit fill you again, it renews the hope in you. It renews the grace in you. It renews the goodness of God that leads to repentance in you. It renews the conviction that God brings. I want nothing less than That's it. When you repent, say, God, fill me with your spirit. Don't just fill me with your spirit so I can be saved, God. Fill me with your spirit so I can get out of the flesh. Fill me with your spirit so I can walk according to the will of the Lord. It. Somebody's being converted right now. I don't want to just comply to a list. God, convert my heart. Convert my soul. Let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah. 
I want to qualify something here today. I know that Ishmael is still living in some folks' house. And while I preach this, it's being interpreted through Ishmael. You need to get out of the flesh because you're being carnal and comes across as, yeah, I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. I just need to try better. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, it's the opposite. <laughs> I want to tell you what getting out of the flesh means. I've been too far from my relationship with God. And if we're going to be honest, that's really the case. It's not, it has nothing to do with, I broke the law and I broke the letter. Welcome to the club. So is everybody else. But the real story is, I got too far from my relationship. And God walking in the flesh, the Bible says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. And God, I'm at an adversarial position because you want what's best for me and I want what I want. So God, it's not because I'm a, a, a you know, I'm, again, condemnation. You're just a dirty, rotten sinner and there's no good in you. And No, that's not what I'm saying. That's Ishmael persecuting. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is you've gotten too far from your relationship with your father. You got to come back into relationship. Instead of saying, man, this activity is, is, is just sinful and wrong. Yes, it might be. But instead, it's saying, how is this affecting my relationship? Because if you live that way, I'll tell you what, the, the law is not even close to what grace is. Grace is actually a higher law. Grace says, don't even look on a woman to lust after her. Right? Let me break it down in terms we'll all understand. When you take those vows, it says, You'll be the husband of one wife. Right? That's the letter. That's the, that's the line. But the spirit of it says, I ain't even looking that direction. Right? Because I want to keep the relationship good. Praise God. The same thing is true when you're walking in the spirit. It's saying, the Bible says, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? Because I'm walking with Jesus. I'm not interested in all the things. When I'm carnal, I'm interested in all sorts of things that would make God... Uh, vomit. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in all sorts of abominable things that God would not be interested in. But when I am consumed with just walking with God and being in relationship and walking in the Spirit, the things of the flesh don't even appeal. Why? Because I'm just close to Jesus. So if you heard me any other way tonight, I want you to hear me right. Just get in the Spirit. How do I do that? I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pray not because it's a list of things I need to do today. I'm going to pray because I want to be close to Him. I'm just going to read the Word not because I have to. I'm going to read the Word because I want to be close to Him. I want to be in relationship with Him. Would you lift up your hands one more time all across this building? Come on, when conviction comes, it's not conviction that, 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 that is only just uh, to get you saved. I want to tell you, it's conviction that comes by and says, you've strayed too far from my relation, our relationship. You've gotten too far from the love that I have for you. And you need to come back to the Father's house. And you need to come back to relationship. And you might have to let some things go, but not, not just because uh, it's bad or it's wrong, although it might be, uh, but it's because it's hindering the relationship. And there's some things in your life that might not be wrong and may not even be bad, but they're hindering the relationship, so you got to cut it out, uh, amen, because your relationship with the Father is more important. Somebody pray. Oh, Father, we love you. We thank you here today. 
We thank you for your word. God, tonight we are kicking, we are kicking Hagar out. We're kicking Ishmael out. We're kicking the flesh and, and this, this old law and this condemnation, God. And we are welcoming into our lives uh, this spirit-led, grace-filled life, uh, amen, that leads us in relationship that we might not even fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. We thank you, Jesus, for your delivering power over the flesh that we can't conquer. Through your spirit, we have power to overcome in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Shake hands, be friendly, love one another. Go in grace. Go in the goodness of God. Walk with God this week in Jesus' name. God bless you.